there's a lot of men dealing with 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 this uh, aspect of life just like me and i don't need to be ashamed or feel alone about it and also getting into community gives you permission to begin to talk about it when we begin to talk about it we can take that which we've been carrying by ourselves uh, for so much of our life and we can just ugh, unload it and, and and get it off our chest and um just by speaking about it i think i think the process can can begin right there so Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome back to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. Today's episode is episode 67. And as always, I'm your host, Steve Opolinik. Our guest today is Matt Sinkovitz. He is from Porn to Purpose, which is an organization helping with addiction regarding pornography and creating a community around recovery and how to engage in a way of embracing themselves, embracing others in their journey, and really creating a supportive structure for recovery and healing to happen. In the episode, we get really specific about his own journey and how he came into forming Porn to Purpose and really helping people in general find their purpose, but more specifically working with people who have been struggling with pornography addiction and really destigmatizing that so people can really work on their own recovery and change the arrow of their direction towards healing and purpose. Uh, the episode's really great. We talk about addiction in all all types of fashion. Do focus mostly on pornography addiction, and um, you know Matt's just got a, a wealth of knowledge and a lot of insight and wisdom to offer. So, I look forward to y'all listening to this. And without further ado, here's Matt. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. Welcome back to the podcast, listeners. Our guest today is Matt Sinkovitz. Welcome, Matt. Thank you for being on today. So excited to have you on this glorious weathered day that we're having right now. Indeed, sir. Steve, thanks so much for having me, brother. So Matt, I know that you and I had meet, met briefly when we were talking about possibly getting together and doing a podcast and, and talking about, um, you know, your passions and, and what really moves you and what you're interested in. But I'm wondering, if, just for the listeners right now, if you could give us a little bit of a rundown of who you are and what those passions and interests are, and then, you know, what uh, you like putting out in the world today, and we can go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, brother. Thanks very much. Uh, so my name is Matt Sinkovitz. And um, I guess like 
maybe what what draws us together here for the sake of this conversation today is that I I uh, specialize in helping men overcome pornography addiction. Yeah. Um, I run uh, the global community Porn to Purpose, and um, yeah, man, I'm passionate about personal transformation. Yeah. I'm, I'm passionate about helping people step into the lives that they're called to live, you know, living more inspired, you know, passionate, energized, fulfilling lives, doing the deep work. You know, we all have a something inside of us that calls us forth, you know, a greater version of ourselves, a greater version of our lives. And, you know, helping people kind of move into that uh, is, is really what I'm most passionate about. And, you know, uh, I've, I've been on the personal and spiritual development journey for over, over a decade now myself, you know, nice. 13, 13 years or so, I've been heavily investing in myself, both personally and spiritually. And um, over the past several years, you know, probably five years or so ago, I, I began really feeling this call in my own life to step into service uh, of others. And, you know, pornography is also one of those things that has been a, a, a part of or had been a part of my life for many years. And as, as I began feeling this call to begin moving into, you know, the service of others, I began recognizing that for me, porn was not a fit. It was out of alignment for me. And I felt called to, to get that resolved for myself. So I ended up working with a coach and kind of doing some, some deep work around it and getting that resolved uh, in my own life. And the personal and spiritual development work I had been doing kind of coalesced with my porn, uh, with my porn journey and kind of felt called to put it all together, knowing so many men deal with this in their own lives. Um, so that's kind of some of my journey and, and, and how it all came together and how I began doing this work several years ago. Yeah. I mean, you know, thank you for so eloquently putting that and being open to, you know, that question, because I, this is a big part of what we do on the podcast with breaking free from these chains that bind us to, you know, find your internal potential and your flame. And, and the whole purpose of the podcast are to, to have people on and talk about these different journeys and different paths that we walk and then how we get there. And then also how that informs our potential and, and, and how we connect to other and build this community around yeah, that. Um, yes. You know, so if we could talk, I definitely want to dive into porn to purpose because I think that's really good. And I want to talk about like uh, the noble truths that you kind of bring into mm -hmm. those meetings and, and how that's acquiesced for you and, and where you're yeah. at with that. I'm wondering if mm -hmm. you could give us a little bit of a background on uh, porn addiction, because I think this is an important aspect to really flesh out in society, especially for men, but I, I think for whoever is out there who, who has suffered from an addiction to pornography. But could you tell us a little bit about what that is and, and how that's kind of manifested for you to realize like this is out of sync with my purpose and, and what I want to mm -hmm. be and yeah. how that transformation, you said you worked with a coach, but how did that transformation take place for you? Yeah, man. So, um, yeah, just, just for a little context, um, I'm also an ordained uh, Buddhist minister. Okay. You mentioned the noble truths there. So that definitely resonates with me. And um, I, I began, you know, I, I found myself uh, on the Buddhist path uh, over a decade ago when I was, I found myself in a really dark uh, place in my own life and um, really depressed, suicidal, really tormented by myself, tormented by my right. thoughts and the way I just, I just didn't like myself. And, um, it was around that, that point in my life uh, that I, I was like, all right, I've got to do something different. And I kind of had this moment of awakening where I, I began to see that, okay, if I'm having these thoughts and these feelings and these experiences, and I can also witness them, then maybe they're not the entirety of me. 
Right. You know, yeah. I had this moment of, of awakening and, and that prompted me. I was living away from home. It was the first time I was like away from home as a young man working a corporate job and uh, was, was really unfulfilled. But I had this moment and that led me to like Barnes and Noble. I think it was one, one night and I began digging around the personal development section and I found I was just looking for something on the mind, on the brain. I'm like, how do I change who I am? And I, and I came across some work around meditation uh, mindfulness, um, Buddhism, and also a book by Dr. Joe Dispenza on how we can rewire our brain, this like the, the, the plasticity of the brain. Yeah. And, and, and that was really a big start of my journey. And that mindfulness and meditation journey ultimately led me to study Buddhism. And then that, that journey ultimately led me to study deeper with my teacher, where I felt ultimately called to go on and, and become ordained and study in seminary. And that ultimately led me to being a, a, an interfaith chaplain in prisons and hospitals. Um, and, and, and yeah, for me, brother, I, as I was moving into service, it's really interesting. It's like, um, as I kind of, I think, woke up, you know, I think we're, we're all growing in consciousness. And when we all like, when we're young, we do things that are less conscious. Maybe we're more hurtful. We're, we're less considerate. We treat ourselves in ways that don't serve us. You know, we can be, we treat others ways that aren't great oftentimes we take actions that are less considerate of others and we're just less conscious you know i think i think right. of the way that we we're showing up but as we grow and as i grew on my on my personal development journey i just kind of begin to wake up it's like you kind of have this evolution as a human being if you are growth oriented like when you're younger you might party more you might smoke more cigarettes do more drugs you know what i mean uh you're maybe more maybe more promiscuous eat more junk food but as you grow you just kind of recognize that these things don't serve you and I, as I grew and as I, as I was kind of feeling this call to service in my own life, I just became more and more aware that porn was out of alignment for me. Right. Not necessarily that it was like a bad thing, but it just wasn't good for me. Um, and and, and I, I didn't like that I couldn't control it. I didn't like the stuff that I was consuming. I didn't like the way that my relationship with porn like continued to evolve and the stuff I was looking at. Porn has a way of like morphing the genres and the extreme nature that you need to view. and Right. Or to hit these arousal mechanisms, and I just didn't like the way it was going, man. And I didn't, I was not okay with the fact that I wanted to stop, and I had made many commitments to stop, but I couldn't, you right. know. And and I was also kind of beginning to embark upon this 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 uh, part of my life, this chapter of my life, where I felt really called, and I was stepping into service of others. And I was like, I can't continue to do this work, and even though it was fading out of my life, it was still present. I was like, I can't continue to go in and do this work and sit in front of people in these sacred settings oftentimes, knowing that I've got this unresolved in my own life or knowing what I was doing last night. You know, it just didn't feel right. So it's like um, whenever we ignore that voice or that knowing inside of us, there's like a, there's like a slow death. There's like a yeah. suffering that occurs, man. I couldn't ignore that anymore. And I had been involved in coaching for many years, doing, doing a lot of my own work. And I was like, all right. Um, it, it's, it's time to put my money down and put my money where my mouth is and get real help and get committed to this, get into community, get into accountability and learn the map out of this. And that's right. really what, what prompted me. And that, that speaks more to my journey, Steve. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that resonates with me on so many levels, this idea of, you know, we started the nonprofit, I think, uh, 2017, I think we started the concept of it in applying for nonprofit and, you know, we were gearing up towards making the push to where we want to be. And then COVID happened and we had to adapt. Mm -hmm. And I found myself about, you know, listeners to the podcast will, I've repeated this a couple of times, but I'm going to share it with you because I think it's pertinent to what we're talking about right now 
is I found myself about three years ago, it'll be three years in July, really taking a step back and saying to myself, you know, I'm talking about health and wellness all the time. I'm really talking about, you know, making generative movements for me. But here I am is I'm drinking beer. I'm drinking alcohol every so often, not to an excessive level, but just to this place where it's like I'm consuming this toxin yeah. and I'm talking to people about living healthy lives. You know, I have the podcast and um, it really just aligned with me. I had this weird dream that my nephew was in and he was talking about this this he gave me a weapon that was a sword and a shield combined and you can pull them apart and use them in both offensive and defensive and i asked him i was like oh what was this called and he said to me in the dream he said he's three years old now but back back then he was like six months old i think um he said to me oh it's called vasa right and so mm-hmm. when i woke up i was like i gotta check that out and it turns out to be a buddhist situation um for three months in July to October, I believe that it's like this practice of meditation it corresponded with like the monsoon season in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And it was like this dedication to meditation and like not having any toxins in the body, not consuming any toxins. Mm-hmm. And at that moment I was like, Oh, it's just pondering stopping drinking for just for a little while and kind of see how that helped my health. And then I was like, oh, I'm doing it because it was July when the dream happened. I was like, oh, July 15th. That's when this takes place. Let's do it. And then it's been three years now because I've just realized, oh, I don't like if I ever felt the need, I I feel like I'd be like, yeah, I could have one beer and be okay. But I haven't felt the need in almost three years now. And so it's kind of interesting how these things manifest when you open open yourself up to this idea of like, oh, okay, where where, what aligns with me in this moment and how am I living out of alignment and how can I make a, a shift in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, brother, you know, um, so in, in our program, in our process, you know, I kind of like took what worked for me over, over you know, over decades of, 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 of work, you know, like yeah. what worked for me, what was my path out and what I identified was what I now call the freedom framework. And it's like, what are the different pieces of the puzzle that really support us in long-term abstinence? And it's really this journey of personal transformation. And I, I suspect it would work for any any addiction or, yeah. or any or, or any behavior we want to shift. Um, and and the capstone of that is leadership, you know. And and what I found was that by stepping into leadership, I um, I felt this. Um, I had an opportunity to, like, figure out my own lessons and then share them with others. You know, they say the final stage and. In, in, in mastery is teaching, you know? So I was able to like kind of take my lessons and boil them down and share them with others. But also by stepping into leadership, I was held to a higher degree of accountability in my own life. Right. Uh, and, and, and that called me into high degrees of integrity. So like our students that come into our program after they graduate from our, from our initial, what we call the liberation boot camp, we, and they stay with us then for a year, uh, we, we invite them into leadership roles where they maybe lead a meeting or they're mentoring other guys that are coming down the path and they're showing up um, in, in different leadership capacities because it reinforces their own journey. And I think it's a big piece of the long-term, long-term puzzle, you know? Yeah. And it makes sense. Right? Like that, that is encompassed in your story in that sense of like, I'm sitting with people in this space and being of service, but then here's this aspect that is still not sitting right with me. So I have to be accountable to that and ask people to do that To I'm asking people to do that in their own life. I got to do that for myself too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very interesting. I, I work with a lot of men specifically who have porn addictions. And I think it, it everything that you were talking about is something that's come up in our conversations and sessions 
of just saying, hey, I'm really trying to make this commitment. I'm really trying to make these steps forward to either decrease or, or completely come off it because I don't like how I feel, but I feel like this urge to continue to do that. And yeah. I think I, like you were talking about, it's just that, um, you know, that amalgamation that kind of comes and chasing the high, which we know in addiction continues in any either behavioral or, you know, substance addiction it, it's this continuous, Oh, I'm not getting that same hit of dopamine. I'm not getting that yeah. same response. And so I'm chasing this and, a lot of the the people I've worked with with it start feeling like really skeezed out about what they're looking up or where they're going exactly. next. And, and it kind of creates in a couple that we've talked about this OCD kind of worry about, Oh my God, like what if, what if this was to happen and it goes to this extreme and this worry that can continuing yep. continuously is intrusive for them. Yeah. That, that was, that was like, you know, people often ask me like, what was your, what was your rock bottom? What was your breaking point? You know, and it, for me, it was finding myself in my 30s, recognizing that this is something I have uh, had attempted to resolve unsuccessfully for, for many years um, and, and, and kind of like recognizing like, hey, I'm not getting any younger here. And, and what happens like in another 10 years? Like, what does my life look like? I, I, was, I was becoming increasingly aware of the adverse effects that it was having in my life, spiritually, physically, on my relationships, on my work on my momentum, productivity, all these different things. And I was also becoming increasingly aware, as you mentioned, of the of the nature of what I was consuming. More and more graphic, more and more extreme. You need more and more, just like I said, to hit to get those hits. And I was like, man, like where does this go? Where does this go? And that's really what prompted me to say, I gotta draw the line and I gotta do something more more um, intentional around this, you know? Yeah. And I like yeah. I, I like the the specific concept that you were mentioning that you, you've been really intentional in saying for me and for other people I work with, it, this has become an issue. It's not necessarily an issue for everyone, but for, for you specifically in, in, in the work that you're doing, you're seeing this come up more and more. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, yeah, that's I, I, I am intentional about that. Now, I was going to say, I, I am intentional about that, uh, Steve, because I, I recognize it's not, it's not the same for everybody. I come across a lot of guys who are like, hey, you know, it's not a big deal for me. Either I don't use it at all, or maybe I use it just once in a while and it's not a problem for me, or I've integrated it, or I use it consciously, or maybe me and my partner, we use it and it's not it's not an issue. Just like some people can have a couple drinks on the weekend and it doesn't turn into an issue, but some people, one sip of alcohol turns into real destruction. Also, I encounter a lot of women who seem to have a different kind of relationship with it and they're able to maintain a healthier relationship with it. Some women also addicted to it as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I really kind of honor and respect that I'm not just here to just cast this, you know, blanket over it and say it's bad or wrong for everybody. I do think it is something that it's important to be conscious of because I, I am becoming increasingly aware that there is a lot of manipulation and a lot of people are taken advantage of in it. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of stuff involved in porn that has to do with the sex trade. So I think it's important to be really conscious of that too. And some of the stuff those women that 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 those guys are doing to women in, in those videos, man. Maybe they're consenting, but it, I don't think it's cool, you know? So yeah. I think it's important to be conscious of that as well. But I do honor that everyone's kind of got a different experience with it, and it's not just one yeah. right way. Well, I, I think an important thing to point out is exactly that. That's kind of where I was leading to is that there there is this relationship with consuming certain things, and then there is this also moralistic 
uh, intentionality that goes with like, okay, what's going into these videos, what's going into that, like, who's being taken advantage of and, and things of mm -hmm. that nature. And so it's like this balance of like the porn industry uh, is, as you said, it's becoming more and more aware that there's this connection to sex trafficking and, and these other unconsenting situations. And, you know, obviously in the dark web, there's a lot of stuff out there that's easily accessible that people don't understand why it's in the dark web and why it's so uh, negative in, in terms of just energy that's put into it. Right. And then there's yeah. also the balance of like, you also don't want to kink shame someone who, who has a specific thing, but that's a different thing than watching it. Cause you don't know what goes in, in, into making of those videos and who's being taken advantage of. So like yeah. the complexity of this is so, so big, right. Mm -hmm. um, that I think it's wonderful that intentionality, but then also holding that space for people to say, yeah, man, any kind of addiction, there are three major things that kind of, determine addiction that you can kind of go back and trace and it's age of use it's genetics and then um trauma those three things mm. kind of come into like addictive behaviors when you look at you know neuroscience and just you know uh, somatic experience of these things um obviously it's not a given if you have all three you're gonna have that but like there are, is a connection to it mm -hmm. and um before we jump into what you're doing right now which i i want to really spent some time on because I think it's awesome. I also like like to point out is that like what you're saying is like someone can consume and not be addicted, but if that person uh, consumes at a very early age, it's possible that it's going to get to this level of addiction pretty easily because of how they use it. And then also like the reasoning behind it as well. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I think those are all, all, all important factors. Yeah. It, it's really interesting. The, the path that it takes. And there are many factors I think that play into it. Um, but yeah, it, it seems to take a, a different course for everybody. Yeah. Um, and then one final note before we jump into it is like, I read a study, I was doing a psychology um, CEU for my license. And I was reading a study that the age of consumption has progressively gotten lower and lower and lower. And, yeah. You know, like the average right now for young men is like third or fourth grade is when they started like really being exposed to pornography. And then I think the work you're doing is great because if it's starting at such an early age, how do you rewire that after 20, 30 years of consumption? Yep. Yeah, brother. I think that, that that's really important. And, and that's an issue. I'm 38 and that's an issue that, you know, like was not an issue for, for kids when I was growing up. Like when I grew up, we didn't even have a computer in the house until right. like I was in high school, you know, but I, I, I'm sure the reason kids are getting their hands on it more and more is the computers in the home, high speed internet and, and this, these phones and, yeah. in, in, in everybody's hands. So yeah, I mean, especially if there's no filters on those phones or there's no parental supervision. Yeah, man. It's like kids are getting access to this stuff at younger and younger ages. As a part of our curriculum, we incorporate a work called your brain on porn, which really gets into the neuroplasticity of the brain and the way that, that the, that pornography at a young age really does mold and, and, and shape these young minds, man. And, um, I also, I also think that's, that's why it's really important that, that parents are, are, are involved and, and have some sort of oversight because, uh, yeah, I think it can be really damaging and, and, and detrimental, uh, at, at a young age, you know? Yeah. I think so. Let's use this as a segue to talk about 
you know, the work you're doing in the global community with Foreign to Purpose. And, and maybe you, you, you've mentioned like how it's come about, but maybe you could give us a little bit more information on what it looks like and, you know, talking about these virtues that we were just talking about before. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, so the Foreign to Purpose community uh, exists um, in, in a more public setting on Facebook presently. We've got a we've got a community of over a thousand men from around the world. Um, within that, we offer a couple of different levels of support. We do regular training and um, support just for free inside of the community, and uh, we, we do our best to offer support to guys who are just getting into the conversation. And for some guys, that's that's a big step. It's kind of admitting that it might be an issue for you, and then getting into into conversation and kind of getting into community around this. Um, and, and so we do our best to offer from a free standpoint. And then we have a couple different kind of tiers of support for guys who are maybe, who maybe recognize like myself, that they do need to make a, a larger commitment around this, get into a community of men who are also committed to this and, and really, really engage in this work more intentionally. Um, but but that, that's the, that's the gist of what we're doing. Um, and then of course, once we, once we start working with guys, we take them off Facebook because social media is triggering as it is, you know, we want to help them consume that less as well. But that's where we currently exist is a, a, a Facebook group on community uh, right, awesome. on the internet. Yep. And so you said you've grown it to over a thousand members. Um, yep. How did, you know, just like business-wise, I get the concept of how, how you grow, but with something so specific, like what have you found is a really good way to engage people to kind of come into these moments and find, like get it out there that there's this support. Cause I also think it's, it's something that, it's one of those behavioral addictions that it's a little bit harder to understand as an addiction. Yeah. And, you know, I think there is a normalization of it and says, Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just, just right. normal. This is normal process, right? Like, so how do you reach right. out and, and build that community? Yeah, man. Uh, now that's taken a lot of figuring out. That's taken a lot of figuring out, you know, um, there's uh, I'm very proactive about it every day. So part of it is, is connecting another, communities where there are, you know, we, we really find that um, the men that are most committed to making the changes are the men that have got, they got a stake in their life, you know? So oftentimes husbands and fathers are the ones that are really ready to show up and do the work. So we kind of focus on, on, on husbands and fathers in our community. Um, but we've, we've helped a lot of men who are not as well, but that's just, that seems to be the, the place in a man's life where he's like, all right, my family's on the line now and I'm ready to stop playing around with this or I, I can't keep an erection in the bedroom or my wife doesn't trust me or, you know, my kids walked in on me or whatever, or, or I need to guide my son in this because he's not dealing with it. And I know I need to resolve it. So oftentimes it takes like a, a, a big why. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I really go out and I, I engage in a lot of other communities. I do work like this. You know, I'm on a lot of podcasts. I'm on about a, a podcast every week. And I'm also on my own personal profile. I just share and I share and I share and invite and invite and um, just do my best to make like warm, open, loving invitations, non-judgmental invitations. Like, hey, you know, if you recognize this is a problem for you, there's a safe place for you to come uh, and, and begin exploring this, man. So I think after a while, I'm, I'm sure after a while it will continue to take on more momentum and I think the traction of it will just naturally attract. But yeah, the, the past couple of years and the work I'm presently doing, it's a lot of outreach because like, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there and it, a, a coach might go into a, a community and be like, oh, that person has coach on their profile. So I know that they're a potential, you know, they're a potential for our, for our community, but no one's got porn addict on their profile. So it's hard <laughs> to 
like, like, how do you know? You know what I mean? So we just kind of do our best to target um, groups of men who, who, who we know could have an issue and are probably likely and uh, motivated to want to do the work. So that's how we do it, man. Just a, it's a daily, daily hustle. Yeah. I mean, so, so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Like, are there common things that come up in terms of if, if someone's listening to this and might be like, Oh, do I, do I have a porn addiction? Is Like, where yeah. do I fall? Like, what are some of the common things that you see um, where that contemplation starts coming in or, or some of those, like you were mentioning, like, Oh, I can't maintain an erection or I'm, I'm feeling disconnected in this way, or I'm not embodied in who I am. What are some things yeah. that commonly come up with that? Yeah, brother. It, that's an interesting question because porn is one of those things, as you mentioned um, at, at a young age, um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like a big deal. It seems like it's something everybody does. You know, the story is like, oh, every guy does it. Um, and, and even when it is brought up, people kind of joke about it and, and dismiss it. Women oftentimes don't really understand the gravity of it because they don't understand why a guy can't just quit. Um, so it's, it's something that um, a, a lot of people don't really recognize as an issue for them. And, and for me, I kind of, I uh, compared to like, you know, uh, two things. One, I used to smoke cigarettes a lot. I, I was smoking a pack a day for, for many years. And like, I didn't realize how poorly cigarettes were making me feel until I quit or until I was able to take a week off or two weeks off. And then I went back to smoke. I'm like, oh man, that like, that like affected my energy. My mind's feeling foggy now after I was out drinking, smoking all night. I feel like the hangover is a lot worse. Like I didn't realize how much cigarettes were impacting me until I, I gave myself a break. Right. Same with water. I think that's another one. I, I now drink a gallon of water a day. I didn't realize before, like how dehydrated I was. I didn't realize the reason I got headaches all the time was because I wasn't drinking enough water, you know? So porn's one of those things because it's been a part of our life for so long. We don't realize the correlations. We don't realize why we can't get an erection or keep an erection in the bedroom is, 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 is because of the, of the, the porn use. We don't recognize that the reason maybe I'm carrying a lot around a lot of guilt, the shame, a lot of low self-esteem, uh, social awkwardness, uh, whatever it is, is, is actually tied to the porn. Right. So that's why I think this uh, growth journey is so important. We just kind of become aware of it over time because we kind of begin to wake up around some of these things and be more conscious. But I want to be specific for you. Uh, a, a couple key things um, that I have found are, are uh, good indicators around this. One is I think, I think just now this, this takes requiring, this requires, um, some honesty with yourself, but you got to look, all right, whenever I go and, and I look at porn or I have a porn binge, right. Or I was going to go to bed tonight, but I, I ended up watching porn for a couple hours before I went to sleep. Like you got to take a look at like, how does it make me feel? What is the emotional impact? What is the energetic impact? Like, what is the impact on my life? What is the impact? It's like, oh, I looked at porn today and now my, my wife or my partner wants to connect this evening and I'm just not interested or I'm feeling kind of weird or icky and I'm not, I'm not into it. Or I'm energetically off, you know, or I looked at porn a lot yesterday and now today my energy is low and depleted and I'm feeling kind of some shame and some guilt and these different things. Or I looked at porn all day yesterday and I was supposed to be working. And, and, you know, so I was, so we have to just like, I think that's the first thing and that requires being honest with ourselves. But if we step back and kind of zoom out, just look at like what's going on around the porn use. Notice how you were feeling before. Now notice how you're feeling. Maybe you had a week where you weren't using porn. You're starting to feel light again. Your energy starting to come up. You're starting to feel your swagger come back. You know, you're feeling good. And then you have a, a day long or a night long or whatever porn binge, or you use it regularly for a little period. 
and notice what happens, but you got to look at that. So the first thing is just like, what is the emotional, energetic, kind of spiritual uh, experience around it? That's the first thing. The, the second thing I would say, uh, uh, Steve, is, is it something, this is, this is like, um, this, this is so obvious. This is so obvious, but I think it, it's easy to miss. Is it something you've tried to quit or told yourself you were going to quit or right. told yourself you were done with, but you continue to return to, you know? And, and, and again, for many years, we might just dismiss that. But if it's something that, that you're, you're going to compulsively and you can't control your behavior, then that's a pretty good indication. And you've, you've gotten clear that it's not healthy for you. That's a pretty good indication that there may be an issue there. You may need some additional support. And then third is, is it something that you're having to hide in your life? Is it something that requires secrecy? Is it something that you keep a secret from around your, your partner or your relationships? Is it something if someone looked at your internet history or your phone history, you would, you would react? Or if someone's on your phone, it makes you feel nervous. You know what I mean? Or you're, you're at work with the door closed and if somebody walked in, you had to click your screen down real quick or whatever. Is it, is it an energy in your life that requires you know, hiding and secrecy and lying? Um, that, that, that's another good indication that it, it might not be a cool fit. I think that's all really pertinent. And I think, you know, with working with people and talking about this stuff, all of that is, is like this is indicative of uh, behavioral addictions, but also specifically mm -hmm. like that, that makes a lot of sense. I've, a lot of the clients I've worked with also noticed that they started objectifying uh, sexual people as sexual objects, as opposed to mm -hmm. actually being present with people because of just that consumption. It's like, oh, I can't maintain uh, eye contact with someone because I'm just staring at like what they're wearing or you know whatever it is that they're mm -hmm. they're focused on and so I think that that was something that I've seen come up for people a lot of times it's like they're pulled away from being mindful in the moment because of that mm -hmm. but, but, and, and what what's interesting about that I find Steve is that's also something a lot of us or a lot of men are still that little 13 year old boy inside you know and um and, and I, I think I think porn almost acts as a kind of trauma. Like if we started using and consuming porn at a young age, you know, maybe 13 years old, and we and that we maintain that habit and behavior, it's almost like that grown man who's in his 20s, 30s now. It's like he's still that little boy inside. Yeah. He's still seeing through those, through those eyes. He's still engaging in the same behavior. He's still hiding his porn habit. He still does objectify women. So yeah, I think all that and growing out of that is 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 a process of our of our growth and evolution. And that's some of the work that we find is really important to do. Yeah. And that makes sense too, because like addiction as a whole, like a lot of people will talk about addiction and say, you know, the opposite of addiction is connection. Right. And if you're thinking oh, about, yeah. you know, that same concept is if you're, if you have a secret, right, you're holding any kind of secret and it's, it's only you holding it and there may be some shame or guilt associated with it you're going to be prone to step away from connection around certain things. And now this secret just kind of keeps manifesting and feeds that addictive cycle. And it, it, it's a way that you cope with that isolation, but it further entrenches you into that isolation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's this cycle. We, and you know, I'm sure you've heard of the shame cycle. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not feeling good about it ourselves. So we go back to the behavior, which only serves to keep us in the pit and keeps us in that spiral. Right. And uh, yeah, porn is one of those things I found for me again, I began to wake up to this. Uh, you don't see it at all. You don't, you don't see it all at one time, but I began noticing if I use porn, right? Like in the evening and then try and go out on Friday night, 
I feel awkward. I feel socially awkward. If I, if I use a bunch of porn and then I go hang out with my family the next day or having a, hanging out with friends, I just feel a little withdrawn. I feel socially awkward. You know, I can't look people in the eyes, but oftentimes we don't, we don't realize the correlation, you know, early on, but yeah, man, a, a withdrawn and social awkwardness, I think is, are some, some big indicators as well. Awesome. Well, I mean, not awesome, <laughs> awesome but like, yeah. I think it's a relative point to kind of bring into the conversation. Yeah. It's like, this is a, a really important part of this shame cycle and the addiction cycle. I also think mm-hmm. it's really awesome that you're having these conversations because it is one of those things that's really hard to like, you know, be vulnerable and talk about, especially being someone who's, you know, like gone through this religious uh revolution not revolution but religious experiences and you have this position of sitting with people and being of service like i do find sometimes it's hard to to say okay like how do i do this how do i engage with someone but also be honest with myself and be honest with them and so the fact that you can do that and the fact that that let's be honest there's a bunch of other religions in different like feelings and spirituality settings where it's like yeah, we're just going to say, don't do it, but never talk right. about the ins and outs of it, which is like, needs to be talked about for like that awareness and intuition, like you're talking about mm-hmm. to develop that. Um, yeah, bro. What were some of the hurdles you had to get over to kind of get to that? To get to, 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 get to what, um, could you just elaborate on that? A little oh, yeah, bit? yeah. To get to a point where you, you were like, you know, this may be hard to hold this vulnerability, but the that's part of being of service to kind of be able to speak about this stuff in the way that you meet with people. Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, ho- hopefully I'm hopefully I'm addressing this correctly. But, you know, um, o- over the past several years, I'm not doing any chaplaincy now, but I, I served as a chaplain and a volunteer chaplain mm-hmm. in prisons and hospitals. And that was kind of part of my my, my seminary work. Okay. Um, I grew up in the, I grew up in the Christian church mm-hmm. and um, I grew up. My, my, my parents still run a large nonprofit prison ministry, uh, Christian-based pr- prison ministry. So some of my earliest memories were sitting in visitation uh, rooms with, with inmates as a kid, you know. Okay. And um, a- a- as I grew, I kind of, um, as I grew and branched out and got into my own kind of path and got into seminary and began exploring that, I was invited to begin doing some work uh, as an interfaith minister, as I mentioned, in prisons and hospitals. And I just kind of became aware that like, man, some of this work that we're doing, and, and, and you're a counselor as well, correct, Steve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A therapist? Mentally, yeah. So yeah, like I just began to like become increasingly aware. It's like, man, these are sacred moments with people. And 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 sitting in front of them, like there's a there's an opportunity there. There's an invitation to be really present and to be able to like uh, just engage someone in the eyes and 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 and, um, and engage someone from this space of authenticity and and vulnerability. And I think there's a sense of responsibility that if you're going to sit in that chair or sit across from someone as a uh, as a guide, as a leader, as a support, that you you've done your own work as well. And for me, I was having these moments where it just became increasingly obvious that, man, I've got to if I'm going to look at this person in the eyes, and I, I've got to make sure that I'm that my own house is in order. So that's that. Those were some of like this, the moments that I kind of I had these glimpses of awareness, and again, stepping into leadership, stepping into service, helped me see that, see that, and and kind of called me to higher levels of of living my own life. Yeah. Do you feel like on on some level, and this is just a general question, doesn't have to be specifically about what we're talking mm-hmm. about, but do you think that on some level, like to reach 
true accountability is to to have other people know of, of what you're going through or to like externalize that in a way of like you can hold yourself accountable but to to put it out there so other people can hear and, and kind of digest that's where some higher level let's say like super saiyan level of accountability kind of comes yeah. into play a little bit i do i think that's what our community is all about that's what our coaching work is all about getting men into that um yeah i mean we can you know porn and as, probably you know any addiction man it's like it's a very lonely journey it's something we deal with by ourselves, and especially stuff like porn where we, we there's a lot of shame around it and it's like it's not something people really feel comfortable talking about a lot we do it by ourselves so we oftentimes try and say i'm just going to stop i'm going to hold myself accountable but it just doesn't work and i find that yeah getting into accountability making commitments to others is really crucial and i think just sharing it i was on the phone with a brother earlier today talking about uh doing some work with us and he shared that um you know it's something he knew he needed to resolve but his wife had no idea you know so like how do you cross that threshold but i find that whenever you are willing willing to uh be open and and share it man there's something cathartic there's something therapeutic there's something healthy about just sharing it and now it's on the table right and and now there is this inherent level of accountability that comes um um with it and uh yeah i think it's uh, it, it's a crucial piece of the puzzle man yeah anytime i've like really been hesitant to share something due to shame or guilt or, or fear this is probably a good in, inclination to kind of say oh there's a reason why that's coming up maybe i should share. exactly you know like yeah, for sure. sharing about my past traumas with people has been like one of the most cathartic things i could do mm -hmm. but for so long i lived in fear of like oh if i speak this to truth like then i have to deal with it and it was quite the opposite it was it was more like oh people are, are validating my experience people are holding that space for me and and, and it's, it's way different than i expected of like oh now i have to deal with this in reality and it's more like oh i can begin processing and letting go of it because then yeah. you know it's there yeah yeah man. and 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 i find that uh, what we also do whenever we are willing to open up and to be accountable and to share, what we're also doing is we're giving others permission to do the same and be like, yeah. oh man, I thought I thought I was the weirdo. Like we think we're gonna be judged for it, but what we're all, what we're really doing is we're giving others um this the, creating the space for others to step out and say, Oh, this is me as well. And I'm not such a weirdo. And you know, you talked about what do I do for outreach. I think one of the one of the biggest things I can do is just share my own story and yeah. let people know, hey, this is a safe, non-judgmental space for you to come and 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 just speak about this because I've been there too. And I'm laying it all out. Like it's awkward for me to talk about all this online and on social media and do videos yeah. and talk about erections when I know my sister is going to watch the video. And stuff, <laughs> right. you know I mean? but, but it's been a big piece of big big part of my process. And yeah. and with that, it's like um me stepping into leadership, me being vulnerable, me being of service to our community holds me to a very high degree of accountability in my own life, yeah. in my own journey. You know, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, man. A hundred percent, you know, like I, I see it in a day to day with working on myself and, you know, being part of a family and also working with being, having that privilege to be invited into people's lives and, and kind of hold that space and be of service. And I can't tell you how many times I've worked with an adolescent who would just come in beaming and be like, oh, you know, what's going on? And they would start like, hey, don't think bad of me. And I'm like, well, that's not where right. I'm here, but like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. go ahead. And they'd be like, oh, I just found out this person uh, in school also has the same trauma I do. 
and right. you know they're just beaming and and i'm and i say to them i was like oh like how are you feeling about that and they said i feel really weird because i feel really sad that they've experienced the same thing that i'm going through but i also feel really happy that i'm not alone and i think mm-hmm. that's that is the epitome of what you're talking about is that like when you share these things or you're open about these things it is hard but the payoff if, if you're in the right place where people like holding space right payoff is almost instantaneous it's just like yeah no i felt that way and i think that's why these groups are so important because it is again the opposite of isolation it's like yeah i've been there and you're like oh okay i can come back to community now because of that it's pretty amazing all right so i have a couple questions to end the podcast that i always like to end with and i'm gonna hit you with two of them and you can answer them however you want and then i have one last question for you to to end out our uh, session today here okay. um, first first question is if you could have any superpower what would it be and why and then the second question is what do you believe is your real life superpower and how do you live that if i could have any superpower what would it be and why mm, that's a good one i think i think brother uh time travel yeah. time travel Moving to earlier, um, earlier parts of history or later parts of history, and, and uh, you know, get a feeling for like what that was like, but also to like more rapidly, which I think we all do have the power to do to create and manifest, but to like rapidly, you know, step into to new uh, different realities and experiences within our own life. So yeah. I think time travel, time travel, yeah, be a fun which, one which sure. yeah, yeah, which, which I think is again, I think I think it is a superpower we all do inherit the ability to to change our reality, you know, yeah. and, and jump, jump timelines. But that's for another conversation. And, and the superpower that I do have, I think, uh, mm, I'll, I'll say a listening, listening, holding space. And I actually, I don't even like to use that because I feel like people use that all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't want to overuse that term, but, but yeah, man, being a present active listener and, and creating a space where people feel safe um, and, and open, to share and being quiet, like listening more than I talk, even though I've talked a lot on this podcast today. <laughs> I, re- I, I remember even being a young kid, I was traveling with like my, like one of my scout leaders. And this was like, this man was in his like 60s or 70s. And I was like 13. And this man in the car just poured his whole life out to me, all the traumas and trials and tribulations with his marriage and his wife and all these things. And it was really interesting. And I remember telling my mom, who's also a therapist, about this uh, account, she's like, she's like, he was confi- confiding in you, and I'm like, wow, like so interesting. And but yeah. people have always felt kind of safe around me to do that, and just being a present, good, um, responsive listener, I think, is one of my superpowers. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And yeah. you know, I think our listeners may get tired of me talking, so I'm glad you're doing a lot of talking on this podcast because they're like, ah, Steve's talking a lot again. Come <laughs> yeah. on, man. I want to hear the guest. Yeah. Um, so the last question I want to leave you with is, is, you know, we've talked a lot about stuff today. We've talked a lot about addiction, pornography addiction, really um, finding community as opposed to like turning towards that shame spiral and, you know, the cycle of everything with that. But if you, and this is a tough question, but I, I do like to kind of end it in this way. It's like, if there's one piece of information that you want anyone who's listening or anyone who checks in or, or keeps the video or, or the audio of this, um, what would you want that takeaway to be? If you could boil and condense it down into like maybe a couple sentences, what do you think would make you feel mm-hmm. 
I don't want to say make you feel great because it's not about making you feel great, but what would you feel like would be some something of a takeaway that if someone grasped this concept, you'd be like, ah, that's worth this hour-long conversation to get yeah, that out brother. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, something I find to be very valuable in this work, I do have a couple things, but I will condense it, <laughs> is that, um, you know, it all comes down to a choice, man. At the end of the day, the only thing standing between you and pornography is a choice. The only thing standing between you and the and the and the decision to pick up whatever it is, it's a choice. So if we can cultivate greater levels of integrity and commitment in our in our in our sense of uh, power around decision making and really anchor those decisions around a powerful why in our life, that's really the silver bullet. At the end of the day, it all comes down to a choice. So we can create real change in our lives. Beyond that, I would say that if you're listening to this conversation and there are some points that are resonating with you, and if you're willing to be honest with yourself, you may say, oh, man, that's me. And, uh, you know, people, people, they love their stuff, man, and they might not want to step out of their comfort zone. Maybe porn's always been their thing. They don't want to give it up. They, they enjoy it. It's a good drug. But if you do kind of recognize that maybe there are some of these indications in your own life, then that may be a, a, a signal to you that this is worth investigating and exploring. And if that's the case, I would I would invite you to get into community around it. Yeah. I invite you to get you because getting into community again, it even if you're just a fly on the wall, it helps you see that there are others going through the same thing. It, it helps you recognize that you're not such a weirdo after all. And you're, you know, like like sexual perversion is like the category this falls into. And sexual perversion in our society is like that's like there's a lot of shame and crap around that. People don't want to be don't want to identify. Yeah. with that so you get into a community and you recognize hey i'm not such a weirdo after all there's a lot of men dealing with 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 this uh, aspect of life just like me and i don't need to be ashamed or feel alone about it and also getting into community gives you permission to begin to talk about it and, and, and we talked about that here today steve and i feel like when we begin to talk about it we can take that which we've been carrying by ourselves uh, for so much of our life and we can just ugh, unload it and, and, and get it off our chest. And um, just by speaking about it, I think I think the process can can begin right there. So get into community. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I think that's true. Like you, you're talking a lot about choice. And I think, you know, choice is not just like, oh, I need to stop. Choice is like, all right, let me uncover where this is coming from. Let me uncover where what it does for me. Let me let me choose to kind of turn towards this so I can really understand it and really work towards finding those supports for me to move forward mm -hmm. and, and let go of these things, right? We, like any kind of addiction, you know, there is illness associated with it. There's also choice in how you wanna turn towards it or turn away from it or where you wanna direct that energy. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. It's like, it's not just a choice to stop. It's, it's a choice to kind of uncover all this stuff don't mm -hmm. run away from it, pay attention to it, and then do generative things to get you there. And that's where the community comes in. So I, I can't agree more with you, man. Like, I, I think that's a super important aspect to boil it down to and, and leave it there. Yes, brother. Thank you. Well, sir, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really, really honored that you came on and talked today. I really appreciate it. everything you have to say and everything you're doing, because I think it's important to get that out there and really you know, challenge some of these stigmas around it. Like you're saying is like these labels hold us back. And so we avoid them, but really where the growth comes is like, yeah, my name is 
so-and-so I'm this, but I'm also this, right? And, right. You know, one of the guests we've had on here in the past, uh, the episode name was and, and she was a recovering addict. And that's exactly what she said. I got to own all parts of myself to move forward in this and embrace mm-hmm. those parts, but also let go of them by moving forward and, and doing the work. So. Amen, brother. Amen. Yeah, and I think love those parts and integrate them. So we yeah. are whole and complete, you know, just as we are, brother. Yep. Uh, one more thing. I know we keep saying goodbye. So listeners, I hope you're still here with us on this. Uh, <laughs> I like to bring like uh, silly things into therapy and stuff with me when I work with people. And one of the ways I kind of talk about this, I don't know if it's pertinent to the here, but that's what you just said about loving and, and kind of accepting is uh, these parts of ourselves are really important. And we often treat them like vampires sometimes, like the parts we don't want to be. And so we can treat them like Dracula or Nosferatu and run away from them because they're overpowering and scary, right? Or we can treat them like the vampires from the Lost Boys and say, oh, they're just teenagers. Like, let me fight them. Let me, let me push against them. And uh, sometimes the more generative way to look at it is like, we got to treat them like Edward from Twilight and be like, oh, you're sparkly, you're cute. Let me embrace you and let me keep you near me, right? Um, You know, side note, don't actually do that if you run across a vampire, but in terms of what we're talking about in parts, like treat them like Edward, throw glitter on them and embrace them. And, you know, that's how we grow and that's how we heal. Out is through, brother, out is through. (laughs) Thank you again. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at thepromethianproject.org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean Project or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at thepromethianproject.org. If you really do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends like our posts on social media and Instagram and on Facebook. And please leave us a review on Apple podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to. Again, thank you for taking a listen and remember that the most important step is always the next one.